0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Tonight is oh, its always special for me to for when our congregation comes into a testimony night. It is... It's a little bit different than we usually do. It's not more special, just special in, in a different way. And just by seeing how many faces were here this morning and now here again, I know that it's, it's definitely something which touches hearts and, and which brings people back for more. Uh, just, a, just a little bit of, of background. I think the first time we, we did a testimony night here was when we were only still had an evening service in October 2018. And I remember so well how that night just gave this injection of the Holy Spirit into this church. And we saw that running through up until the end of that year. And early in the next year, I think it was the Van and to shared their testimony. And later that year, we had another testimony evening and a testimony morning that day. And we just planted the morning service as well. And every time I just see this injection of the Holy Spirit coming into the church. And I asked myself last night, why is that? Uh, and I ask God like God why is it that that we see not only in the people sharing but in the in the church that we have this injection of the Holy Spirit every time people come and share and the reason for that is because what we share here in front is not unique to the couple of people who sit here we all have concerns issues struggles we're either in a storm or just out of it or going into one but no one of us can say never had problems and therefore this, this church, just when we have the boldness of people within our congregation to say, I'm going to share the testimony of what God did in my life, it is then that we see that the entire church gets, gets um, lifted up and projected forward, and that is exactly what we're doing again tonight, and, and I'm really excited for what God is going to do, and the six people who's going to share with us, they can come up so long uh, while I do the rest of the, of the introduction. So... Just to give you a little bit of uh, a little bit more background, you guys can, can grab a seat here. Yeah. Just to give you a little bit of more background, we're not sharing anything tonight which we thought, yes, like these people, we saw uh-uh, stuff in their lives which isn't great, so we want them to sort it out. So we're just going to do it in front of the church, like they said in the Old Testament. Bring your your sins to to the congregation. That's definitely not what we're doing tonight. Everything which we're chatting through tonight has been dealt with. These people have laid it out in front of God. Worked through it if it needed to be worked through. And therefore, we can now, in a a safe space, say, tonight, we are putting our hearts out to serve this congregation. And the question also was um, raised right at the beginning when we started planning for this night. And everyone can testify of that. The question was, what does God want to tell this congregation tonight? And... After that primary question was answered, what can these people share to, to answer to that question? It is never a case of what these lacquer people think they can share. Never, that was never the question. The question is, God, what do you want to talk to this con- congregation about tonight? So whether it is Brown speaking or testimony is being given, it's nothing different. It is God speaking tonight. And, and that makes me very excited. I'm going to start off in, in prayer for us. And then we can kick off. Just close your eyes. Lord, all we want tonight is for your will to come. Thank you that sometimes you talk to us, and sometimes you talk through us. And we just welcome you tonight to to talk through us, and let your will be done. Amen. So, I just want to start us off with Scripture, uh, with a verse from 1 Peter 4, verse 10. It's going to be on the board as well, where it says, Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all can get into it. If words, let it be God's words. If help, let it be God's heart to help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus, and you'll get all the credit as the one one mighty in everything. And that's exactly what you're doing tonight. God said, there's a specific gifting in all these people which I want to bring tonight. And that is exactly what we're doing. And it is backed up by the word, which God says here in 1 Peter 4. He gave everyone something different, and therefore I'm looking forward to what's going to happen tonight. But the last sentence then says, and everything through Jesus. And I can assure you that from all the preparation that that was done here amongst these people, all of them just testified it, and through Jesus, I can be here today. And I just want to honor you for that. But Trita, I want to ask you, you guys there in the middle, If you guys can just give us a a brief background, who you are, where you come from, and and then we get into it.
1: Okay, so hi guys, Um, those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Aubrey, Aubrey Lotrit. I'm from Sekunda. Actually, I'm (laughs) I'm from Porch. Um, um, I I started in Sekunda back in 2015. Um, And yeah, I started my my walk with Shofar in 2017. Um, yeah, when I was a arrogant non-believer joining small groups. So yeah, um, that's me.
2: Um, I'm his wife, obviously. <laughs> uh, Bianca Lotrit. Um, what he failed to mention was we found love in 2010. So we went out for five years before we got engaged and married. Um, we moved to Sekunda together and then started our life here. Unfortunately, um, God called us into the congregation. Congregation <laughs> quite early, and that shaped us a lot, actually significantly, um, for being here today. Yeah.
0: Now, what I neglect to say is that something which goes hand, to hand in hand with the lotrita is missions. Um, I, I, I'm putting my neck out if I remember correctly. But since you guys joined church, you almost haven't missed a year with you didn't for was it wasn't a year where one of you at least missioned, and that's really something I can testify of the the boldness you guys put out and say. We're going to, we're going to uh, acknowledge the great commission which God gave us in Matthew 28 and say, we're going to go out and reach nations. And which is, that's something so dear to, to this church's heart as well. And I can just honor you for that. Aubrey with his let's go I don't know if that was planted uh, or <laughs> you, did, you lured me into saying that. But um, it just testifies of, of the heart. But, but on that, you guys mission as a married couple. Uh, which is not necessarily um, something we've seen in, uh, in our church that much, um, although we do have married couples going on missions. But what, is, what, would you, what inspired you guys as a couple to, to start going on your first mission?
1: Okay, so I'll go first, and then uh, whatever I miss, my wife will fill, <laughs> like a good wife. Um, okay, so back in 2018 was our first missions, um, yeah, we got, got baptized by the end of 2017, and then our first mission 2018, and then yeah, each year we didn't um, miss a mission. Um, we fought last year, we, COVID is going to catch us, but luckily with Sonaz's boldness, uh, we managed to sneak in a, a missions to live village in December. So yeah, back in 2018, I actually saw that tonight, um, our first mission, the whole team is here. Um, yeah, Brown is here, Charlie is here. Um, Chantal is with the Kiris Church. Um, yeah, and then my wife and I. <laughs> and Yan Lo, yeah, obviously. Aussie, <laughs> <Ozzy> man. <laughs> um, yeah, so back in 2018, when we went on missions, I was actually a, a non-believer, an unbeliever. Um, yeah, I was the guy who didn't gave my life to, to Jesus and still went on a mission. Um, so, yeah, I always tease about this little bit serious, little bit humoristic. Um, if we were on a, on a mission and we landed in a car crash, everybody in a mission would go up to heaven. They were like, Aubrey, where are you going? I'm like, sorry guys. <laughs> so yeah, by by crook, uh, I, I went on the missions and um, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus on a mission. Um, on top of a mountain and yeah, the Lord has broken so many chains and... Our lives never never were the same again.
2: Um, so from our side, uh, we didn't decide to go. God called us, absolutely. Um, we sat here in church and I announced the first mission. And Aubrey was like um, poking me and telling me, um, what's your excuse? Why don't you go? Because it was in September holiday and I literally didn't have a reason not to go. So I wrote down my name um, against His wishes, or against my wishes, and then um, he was actually supposed to study for um, GCC exam, so there was no way that he was planning to go, but we held the mission meetings at our house, and Aubrey has a serious, serious case of FOMO, those of you who know him, Um, so he started joining into the meetings, and he actually missed that exam and joined us going on to mission field. So it was God who called us as a couple and showed us and transformed our life completely and we owe everything to him for that. Yeah.
0: Cool, thanks for sharing that. And that's that's a great call to go on the mission, but how would you say your marriage was impacted um, on the mission? It is, it is great to say to someone, yes, take your spouse and go on the mission, but there's also an impact. Why, how, do you, how did you see your marriage getting impacted after you guys went on a mission together?
1: Yeah, so during missions, um, like I mentioned, God has broken some serious chains in my life. Um, one of them was my addiction to pornography, and I, I told my wife, "Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna face up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell everybody that I'm addicted to pornography." And my wife told me, "Ah, oh, she knows." So that was only one of many chains that broke. It. And I remember that that first evening uh, where we laid all cards on the table. Um, yeah, we were chatting until the morning hours, my wife and I, and we. We never were the same again. Um, yeah, after that, I always use the analogy that, you know, everybody is paddling towards the same goal, but the ambitions and, and worldly, you know, worldly goals of, of a married couple makes that the one is a little bit out of course with the other one. But then after missions, um, we had a flat bottom line of we live for Jesus and, and he's the only one. And all of a sudden we were steering as a, a married couple into the same direction. Um, yeah, it was profound. And all of a sudden, our, our talks, when we sit in a restaurant, we will talk and talk. And then the waiters will come like, listen, guys, you've been sitting here for two hours now. Please, order something. <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, yeah, ever since we went on missions and, and we laid our lives over to Jesus, it was transparency between husband and wife like never before. It, it's something surreal. It's something... You can't really mention, you can't really describe, because it's something holy. And, and the intent that God wants for a husband and a wife was manifested during our first missions.
2: Um, yeah, so I, I just want to add on to that. Um, I think society tells you lots of times that in a relationship, there's sometimes things that you don't have to tell each other. Um, there's things that happen, and you think, oh, it's not going to impact our relationship. he doesn't know. Um, I'm not going to tell him but you always feel that thing in your heart you feel that it's blocking you so um, like the first night Aubrey mentioned that we sat and spoke until morning hours there's so many things that we laid on the table and realized that you are opening doors in your relationship and God just came to reveal to us complete transparency between the two of us is, is what his will is for us and Um, That took mission for us to to open up. And as Aubrey also mentioned, two people moving in the same direction, in the same ambition, there's completely something different about that. Um, We laid aside our world desires um, completely. Um, Our question was actually, why won't you go on missions? Why why would you not lay or put everything aside and follow Jesus wholeheartedly? Um, That's all we want to do. Um, we want to live for nothing else because, as Aubrey mentioned, um, we were chosen as sinners and then God chose to work through us, reveal himself to us and then bless us abundantly as a couple individually, changed our lives. Um, yeah, so we were truly blessed to be there together and to experience that together.
0: Cool, thanks guys. And then you, you are very good at giving half stories because then you took it one further. Then you said, like, uh, Bianca fell, fell pregnant and now there's a baby in the mix and that's a very good excuse not to go on, me, on a mission. As we all know, yes, you can't mission with a baby or, or can you. And then lastly, you guys just said, we have a 10-month-old baby. That's about 10 months older than the time when he can't mission. So he's coming to mission with us. <laughs> what in the world made you decide to take a 10-month-old baby to, on a church mission? And second to that, and probably more importantly, why did God come invest in you as a family when you said, we're taking this, I almost wanted to go as far as to say, little person who won't even remember you was there, but we're taking him with, because that's part of our family. What did the mission do for you guys as a family?
1: Yes, dear, you know that um, with one of our missions, um, we went to pray on top of a mountain. It was an a all night prayer, so you start six o'clock in the evening, and you stop six o'clock in the morning, you go right through. And I remember the conviction that I had when I saw that there was mothers, there were mothers ascending the mountain with us with cans of water on their heads and babies on their backs. And I was so, so, so convicted because on the other side of the, of the fence, here we are, and we are very selective on when we want to go to missions or, or, or to church, not even missions, um, if the mother's room isn't up to standard, if, if we are not feeling comfortable, then we say, no, we can't go to church because they're not accommodating us. And now, you know, back at missions, we have these amazing people, amazing mothers interceding for their families with babies on their backs. Um, no electricity, no, no courts, no prams, nothing. Baby on the back and <laughs> Yeah, and it was, it was really something that stick to me. And, and I, I told Bianca that the moment that we say we won't be able to do this because of Ruben, then we put our baby in front of God. Sure. So yeah, that's the, the short and long of it. Um, yeah, maybe my wife can then add on to, to the investment that God showed us when we went on missions with Ruben.
2: And so my story is a little bit different. Um, I found it quite difficult to to go. Um, So the reason I went was submissiveness. Um, I'm a wife, my husband is serving God wholeheartedly. Um, So the the good thing to do is to go along, (laughs) obviously. So from the beginning I felt apart because I didn't attend one mission meeting. It was difficult for us to to attend it in um, early morning hours and obviously um, it's better if he goes than I, so I missed everything completely, I didn't feel part of the missions. And then even during the missions, there were lots of times where I had to set aside, my baby's gonna sleep now, he's crying, or he needs to feed, and um, I can't be part of the activities. But as I mentioned, God changed our family again completely. Um, the interaction we had with the f- fellow uh, missionaries was completely amazing. There was one night that um, all the women worshipped together and just had word for each other and just felt the Holy Spirit's presence there. And I felt so completely filled that night that made that inside trip completely worth it. And then the second thing is the last day. Um, lots of the girls that all the girls that went along actually came back to Catherine and I and decided to wash our feet and to pray over us and to bless us because they said they see so much of God's heart in our work that we do with our kids and the way we support our husbands and the way we we submit and serve our husbands even though we don't feel a part they really look up to us and see this in us and they blessed us and, and prayed over us and that was so 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 work and um, a nice blessing to receive for our family as well so that made it worth it as well Um, and I also want to mention there's nothing more beautiful to me when I walk into a room and I see Aubrey pray or when I see him worship or down on his knees so for him to walk in his calling um, why would I stop that or say no we can't or um, think I'm not worthy or I don't feel apart. I mean if if the husband is completely into Christ follow him go go along Um God's covering will be over you um, and he will guide you and he will give you the strength and he will bless you the way he did our family as well and um, Aubrey also mentioned that what a wonderful thing it will be to, uh, to tell us our boy one day you went on your first missions when you were 10 months old um that's, that's going to be such a nice story to, to share with him as well. Yeah.
0: And then you can just ask him how many people he brought to salvation that mission and then. <laughs> to the full. No, I'm just kidding. There are two things which I want to just raise out, which, which you guys mentioned. And the first thing is how, despite a lot of um, boulders in the way, when God talks, there's a calling. And when God calls us, it's for a reason. And we as people are masters of justification. I can't do this because... And then we complete that sentence with the best reasoning under the sun. And because of that good reasoning, then we just don't go. But when God calls us, there's a specific reason for us to go. And it will always be our decision. God never forces us into his calling. He allows us to make a decision to go. And what the the Lotrita shares with us is not only is a marriage unified... on a mission, but there is sacrifices coming with it, there is an exam or uh, sacrifices with a a toddler, well not even a toddler, a baby, and it it is tough, but does that mean because a certain door was just slightly open that it's not God's will? No, sometimes you ram down that door to be in God's will, because just because it's difficult, doesn't mean it's not God's will. And we often love the the analogy of, God, please close the doors which is not from you and open the one which is from you. Boom, this one's open and there I go. But sometimes God says, this door is very difficult to open, but it is still my will. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. And whether that's on a marriage-specific note, as you guys shared, or for the rest of us at work, at church, or with our friends, with family, maybe family which we haven't seen in years, and God says, I want you to ram down that door. That is still my will. If that conviction is on your heart tonight, I really want to challenge you to take that on and say, God, I will act upon your will, no matter how difficult it may be. And then the second thing is just the unity which gets created through Christ. And that unity gets created in a marriage, definitely, but also within your family, your friend group, or whatever it may be. If there's, if there's one thing which creates unity and aligns goals, it is asking God. Because we, we never serve a, a, a God of confusion. God didn't tell the Israelites, some of you are going to see a cloud to follow, and some of you, the fire at night, and the rest of you just go more or less in the same direction. No. He told all of them, all of you will see my gardens. And that's where I wanted to go. And therefore, if there's a place where you feel we lack unity, we're not, we're not moving in that direction, whether it be at the mission or with your friend's group, maybe again a family member, that is where we say, God, I pray and I pray for you alone, and that's what I want to, that's what I want to see happen. And the verse I was referring to earlier in that in Matthew 28, uh, the Great Commission. Jesus undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by the baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you, I'll be with you as you do this day, day after day, after day, right up to the end of the age. And I, com- I want to commend you and challenge everyone else for taking up the great commission. God did not say, some of you I'm going to ask to go out, and the rest of you, make sure you tithe so those people can go out. No. He said, I call all of you. I call all of you to go out. And that's really something which, which has been so, such a big part of the DNA. The, the Holborns could, you guys would probably agree, the Holborns could give this exact same testimony of going out as a married couple, taking their, their baby along, a little bit older, but along on a mission. And that is that's part of the DNA of this, this church. And that's why we see so, so much growth. But those two, those two things, I just want to want drop for each and every one of us. say, so, Unity comes through Christ and nothing else, and through no, no one else. And also, when we try to justify why not to do, some, do something, we will find the reason. We will always find the reason. But I want to challenge us to say, God, I will hear, when I hear your voice, I will act upon it, no matter how many boulders in my way. Thanks, guys. I want to move over to, to the load answer there next to you. Yeah, that sounds weird, the load answer. Um, can you guys just give us a, a quick who you are and and where you come from.
3: Cool, we are the (laughs) Lorencer. So I'm uh, Werner. Um, So I grew up here in Sekunda. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, very thankful for everything our parents taught us. And um, Today I'm sitting here very thankful. Maybe during that time I was a bit frustrated even. Um, But yeah, our parents really... um, was diligent in teaching us of the Lord, and I'm very grateful for that. After that, I went to university. Um, There's many things there that want to drag you to hell, but, you know, I I got through that. Um, And then after that, um, I came back to Sukuna and working at Sassel now.
4: Okay. Um, Hello, everyone. Just so you know, he's the funny one between the two of us. <laughs> and the funniest one in the lodens family. Sorry, Renier. <laughs> Yeah, well, That's um, us
0: for tonight. Cheers, guys. <laughs>
4: um, yeah, so I'm Nicole. Um, for those that don't know me, um, I grew up in Pretoria. Um, I have a younger sister. It's just the two of us. Um, and, yeah, really loving parents. Um, I grew up in a, I think, what would from the outside look as a really normal um, stable Christian family. Um, uh, yeah, my parents raised us um, as Christians, um, we attended church, uh, we went to the India church. Um, and yeah really no, no funny stuff. Um, we really had a like, stable um, a good household that I, that I grew up in. Um, so after that I yeah, after school, um, I went to study at the University of Pretoria. Um, and that's where Werner and I, um, where we met each other.
0: Cool, thanks. Both of you mentioned coming out of a house where you're privileged enough, and it definitely is a privilege to to learn about God. Um, but how does that look in any person's life? Um, is, is is that a guarantee of a relationship with God? Or how did you experience coming out of that house household circumstances to having a relationship with God yourselves?
3: Yeah, so... Um... I think to put it straight, I would probably still not have gone to heaven because I still didn't have a relationship with God. I wanted one, um, but maybe emotionally or spiritually I wasn't mature enough yet um, to understand, you know, to reach out to God. Um, yeah, and in my first year I gave my heart to the Lord. Um, yeah, Ranir actually took me to this place. <laughs> um I think back to it now, um, I wouldn't change it, <laughs> but yeah. Um, it was dodgy. Yeah, yeah, it was. Just like that. It, it was at Pretoria Showgrounds, um, but yeah, um, I'm still grateful for having an older brother that also led me in the ways of the Lord. Um, with my parents and with Renier there, it still wasn't a guarantee for me, um, but luckily God reached out to me. Um, And I grabbed his hand and I gave my life to him. And that evening, I went to every door in our res and knocked on the door and told them about Jesus and what he did for me. Um, Some of them chased me away. Um, And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning. So (laughs) I understand why. Um, But yeah, I really still had to go out and um, really give my heart to the Lord. There's not a... Um. House, your parents can't um, get you in heaven, your brother can't get you in heaven, your wife can't get you in heaven, your husband can't get you in heaven, so yeah, really grateful for that.
4: Um, yeah, so when I met Werner, um, like I said, um, attended church, um, but yeah, when I met him, he always says it's when he took off his shirt that I was like hooked. <laughs> um. <laughs> But if you allow me to be cheesy, it was something more attractive than that. Um, I His the could- brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> wrong.
4: <laughs> um, uh-huh. But yeah, you know, at the time that I met Werner, um, it was—I I really believe—it was the Holy Spirit that just um, made me see. Um, that you know Wagner has a relationship with God, and I found that so attractive um, so that's the thing that really um, yeah, hooked me to Wagner and made me fall in love with him um, but I did realize at that time he he has something that I didn't have um, he yeah, he had a, a living relationship with God, and I could see it's it's amazing and and I also wanted that. Um, but I knew it was different to the thing that I had at that moment with God. Um, it's as if, yeah, I haven't accepted God in my heart yet. I knew with my mind that he existed, and, but I didn't have that, like, real living relationship. Um, so, yeah, um, our relationship continued. Um, I really, yeah, we started attending church together. Um, Werner taught me how to pray out loud. Um, it took a while. Um, we would pray together, and he would pray out loud. I would just listen. Um, it was weird for me to pray out loud. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so a year and a half into our relationship, um, during the first, I think, relationship month um, that Shofar had, um, uh, Renir, you spoke about it earlier, where Hanu and Estelle testified. Um, so, yeah, it was relationship month in the third week that this um, testimony week, and Wagner was already here in Sekunda. Um, it was his first year of work. Um, I was still in Pretoria in my final year of study, um, but he suggested, um, let's listen this um, relationship series together. Even if I can't be in Sekunda, I should download the sermons and listen to it. So with the third one, um, Hanun Estelle testified, and I remember um, I was in my parents' room, um, in in my room in my parents' house, and um, while I was just listening to their testimony, um, it was just all of a sudden, um, that I got spirit filled, um, the Holy Spirit just like in the, you know, um, in my bedroom, convicted me of the fact that I was um, putting Werner on this um, pedestal, um, and I was worshiping Werner, and he was my lord, and um, yeah, you he know, just convicted me of how wrong that was. That he should be my number one, and that he should, um, I should worship him as as the number one in my life. Um, so yeah, that was really a cool experience and immediately in that week, I was so excited. Um, I told Werner about the whole experience and um, I, was, I also told Werner, listen um, Werner, I'm also now praying to you if I should like leave you <laughs> um, because I want to do what's like the, the will of God and um, if, if I need to prove to God that I now accepted him as my number one and to leave you, like I'll, I'll do that, um, yeah, yo, you can continue here. <laughs>
3: Yeah, no, so I wasn't too upset with that because the Lord already told me two years before that we're going to get married and the Lord never changes. So, yeah, (laughs) I knew what he was going to say, but I didn't tell her that. Yeah, so um, at the start, as I mentioned, the Lord told me like two weeks after I met her already that we're going to get married. Um, But I didn't have the conviction in my heart that I can marry her like, now, get married to her now, um, and I really feel that was something spiritual, and not everyone will necessarily feel it, um, but it was really cool for the Holy Spirit to minister to me in that way, um, and then the day she told me that she may leave me, that was the day I realized I can get married to her now, um, and yeah, I, do, I really believe it was the Holy Spirit again to, um, ministering to me in that moment, and um yeah, It's not necessarily against the law for a Christian to m- marry someone that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, but it does make it very difficult for one person who's, um, who relies on the Lord and the other person to re- rely on the person. Yeah.
0: I just want to confirm what Werner says. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 which says, Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's no partnership. That's war. Is light best friends with the dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that is exactly what we are. Each of us a temple of God. God himself put, put it this way. And that is, that is exactly what Van and Nicole are testifying about. To say that despite... Werner knowing they will get married. There was a calling or conviction of God in his heart to say, but I want you to get married when both of you can carry the same spiritual burden. I want you to get married when you both know that I am the Lord on the throne of your life. And we can go into hours and hours of practical examples of how that will look if that's not the case. And just if you put the spiritual side apart and you just look at the practical side, it will not work. Um, what happens when the one is, a, is an off day, the other one comforts and is spirit-filled? And then other way around, when the other person has the off day and the, the non-spirit-filled one is the one which should comfort, what then? Who's the one praying for the other one? It, it, we can go into countless examples. But what we do see, and what we do learn from this testimony as well, is that if it is God's will for those two to get married, God will keep on working. And I also know... Um, from being close to that, and that he prayed so much for, for Nicole, and which, is, which is our obligation in this, not, God, I will get this person closer to you. That can never work. We can't even approach God without God. But to say, God, I lay this person down, which I love so much, in front of you, in order for you to fill that person and to bring that person to where you want, want them to be. And you, you guys say it so beautifully, Nicole coming and saying, I am so convicted that God is my Savior and my Lord, that I'm willing to, to break up with Werner and say, it's been nice, but I'm chasing God. If you're a byproduct of God, great. But I'm chasing God. And Werner then saying, oh yes, great, that's, all just, that's what I was waiting for. Um, let me be a byproduct of God. Now I know we can get, get married. And that is something which I am looking forward to, the power which this testimony will have in, not only this congregation, but which people in this congregation will testify of with friends, with family, or in similar situations, where we have a, a God-fearing, sold-out believer and someone who's maybe not there yet. And contrary to what is often preached, it is not break that relationship at all costs because it will never work. It is lay that relationship down at God's feet and find out if it will work. Because that is exactly what happened. And I just want to honor you guys for, for sharing that with us and, and then challenge the congregation to say that this truth which we which we get from this um, from this testimony, is not only a truth for this congregation, this is a truth for the world. And let us take this out and make, use it where it is applicable, but also go and testify of it wherever we go. So thanks for that. Sorry,
3: can I just say one more thing? <laughs> yeah, go for just it. Just how I felt. <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, so, sorry, I could have said it maybe before. Um, but it may sound also... Awesome that, you know, someone says, you know, you're, you, they saw you as a god and, you know, you think, yo, I'm going to marry her, make her, make me, I'm going to cast two all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it really puts pressure on, on, it really put pressure on me also, and I still see it manifesting even today, um, where I don't want to let it down. And if I let it, you know, you do let people down, we are only people. And I do let her down often, you know, she's nodding, and I'm proud of her for that. <laughs> um, but, um, what did I, oh yeah, so I, I do let her down still, um, which is still not nice, but I do also know that if she didn't give her heart to the Lord, and I was still on that pedestal, and we got married based on that, that our whole marriage would have, you know, crumbled. And um, that's a fact, that's not even my opinion. Um, because all of her, or yeah, because she, I was an idol, and I let her down, you know something yeah you know, I don't know what <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, even still today, um, when I let her down, when we fight, you know, she can go to God, um, the Holy Spirit can console her, and I can go to God, and the Holy Spirit can console me, and we can get our wisdom. From the Lord, and if she, I was an idol and I let her down, she couldn't come to me. She couldn't go to God. You no, know, where would she go? Yeah, just wanted to share that. Yeah, and I
0: think that's a, a massive truth. And those idols which you refer to, Werner, is much more than your spouse. Uh, a very good example of where we see this is someone puts their identity or their the pedestal, the thing on top of the pedestal, is money. And you don't necessarily realize it, but that's, that's such an important thing. And then COVID comes and the business closes and a person falls apart. Because now you can't run to that idol for help anymore because it's gone. Where well, God is never gone. God is always there. And that is sometimes how we realize how that pedestal looks. Maybe that pedestal is looks. Maybe that pedestal is that's, that six-pack which you've just been blessed to have since you were two. And whatever, how many burgers you eat, you just can't lose that six-pack. Like, tough life. And the moment something happens where either you find yourself in a community where, where looks just doesn't cut it, or you find yourself in a place where you could become physically ill and you don't have that anymore, I suddenly realize this pedestal of mine is quickly crumbling. And when you don't have God on a pedestal, you, you can't run to him. You run to your pedestal because that's where you always found your answers. And when life is tough and you run to your money or your looks or whatever the case may be, then you get... Temporary answers there, but the moment that pedestal crumbles is when it gets ugly, and when, when the true hurt comes to the fore, and where we've all seen people just not being able to bounce back. And I just want to pull that analogy through for us as well, to say, that pedestal is not only for your spouse. There are many pedestals. Each and every one of us needs to break down that, those pedestals every single day. I know in my life it's, pr- it's pride to say, I put myself on a pedestal, I think, yes, Renir, You're facilitating a pretty good session right now. No, I'm just kidding. But that will be the lives which the devil comes to tell. And we need to break down those pedestals each and every day. And it's a good question to ask yourself tonight. What is the pedestal or the possible pedestal in my life? Or what is on top of that? And to make sure that is broken down and put God on top of that pedestal. So thanks for that. The AC Longs (laughs) me. Can you guys... Please tell us why your surname is Ace, but it starts with a U. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> can you guys please give us a, a quick background on, on who you are?
5: Hello. Um, I'm Lizette Ace. I was Lizette Prinsloo. I come from a small town in Pala Palaburba. It is next to the Kruger National Park. A lot of wild animals. I am not one of them. I might have been one of them, but I'm not one of them anymore. Um, and, <laughs> he's, yeah, he knows. Right, well <laughs> um, and, yeah, then I studied in Stellenbosch. I studied um, drama at Stellenbosch, and I worked a bit in um, in Durbanville. And after that, I moved to Joburg, where I met this hunk of a husband.
6: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> My name is Lodewijk, I um, grew up in Joburg, I uh, studied in Potch, after Potch, moved to Wellington, back to Joburg, France, George, Joburg, Secunda. Okay, The second Joburg was the one where I met don't um, so, oh, no, the first one actually, was where I oh, met yeah. Lisette, so. and yeah, that's, that's where I come from. Cool, thanks.
0: Now, you just touched on where you met Lizette, is there more of a backstory to we just met and then came to Segunda? Huh?
6: Just met by the <laughs> Is
0: there more of a backstory than you just met and then came to Segunda?
6: No, so we, yeah, we met, I met Lizette in, in Joburg, in church, uh, sheriff for Johannesburg as well, uh, eight months after I gave my heart to, to Jesus. And although I was in church, um, it wasn't, yeah, it it wasn't funny to sit in church with a with a hangover after a, a, a Saturday night session. Both of us, not just not just myself. So just, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was in church, but I was also also quite in in the world to to a sense, So yeah.
0: Cool. Can you guys break that down for us a little bit more? It's it it's almost christian way to say um, I'm in church, but also in the world. How does that specifically look for, for you two as individuals? Like what was the, the things of the world which kept you not necessarily, despite being in church, kept you out of God's will?
5: Yeah, so for me, um, I always struggled with my identity. Um, since a young age, I never really knew who God created me to be and what His calling on my life was. So, What that just spiraled down to is that I compared myself to loads of people. Um, And as soon as I meet someone that looks cool, I want to look like that person, and I want to talk like that person, and I want to act like that person. Um, And with all of that, it came down to me um, being quite destructive with my body, um, so I would go on eating binges, and then I would just stop eating for months on end. Not I, I'm alive, <laughs> I ate, <laughs> but and um, not 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 um, a lot. And I would also drink quite a lot. I would um, I was quite involved with a few guys as well. I frayed in the bonal, um, and um, yeah. So that is how it looked to me. Um, and it was scary because you try to um, you try to put your name on everything that you get to but you never really put Jesus name on you if it makes sense so I really struggled with that
6: yeah so I think for me um at the time when we met i was a yeah, I was a professional rugby player and um obviously with that comes um yeah the, the obviously quite uh, the Responsibility, which I didn't see at the time. So you'd play a rugby game, and then afterwards, um, obviously the the alcohol flowed, and then when you when you go out into town, um, you use that <laughs> you use that as a pick up line to for the for for the girls. So for me, it was there's money, there's 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 um, alcohol, there's there's girls, and I mean basically God's gift to mankind at the time. So yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> now it's God's gift to me.
6: <laughs> oh. oh.
0: He asked her to say that. Uh, and Werner people has laughed more at me today than you. Um, but what did you what do you guys say Oh, not what? Um I know that you guys said that this then having that foot in the world and keeping it outside of, of God's will then has an effect on, on your marriage as well, or on your relationship as well. Not only um, to the outside what people can see, but the intimates of your relationship also take shots when you have that, for a lack of a better term to say, when you have that shield up of at least I'm in church, but what goes down behi- behi- or below that shield is what is the really destructive thing.
6: Yeah, so I think our story is one of, of restoration. Um, so we met in march 2014 um, and then i got saved august 2013 we met in march 2014 and then i postponed getting baptized for all the, the excuses that i could possibly possibly find and i in that that period between march and when i got baptized in june 2014 um, we, this was the time when we sat in church and the encounters with a with a hangover and then I remember getting baptized, and we had a we had I think that was like the Sunday, and then the, the Saturday afterwards there was a we had a, a ten year reunion of our grade seven. I don't know why they've got a ten year reunion of grade seven, but we had it, <laughs> um, yeah, of our grade seven class. And Mari, that was in church, he was also there. And afterwards, I obviously felt back into getting drunk and muddy and two of my other friends sat there and and they discussed like it was like an apologetic session and i remember waking up the next morning and i was like i want that i don't want to hang over i want to to sit at a at a and and discuss who jesus is and i think that's when lizette and myself decided um we we're gonna if we're gonna do this we want to do it proper and we want to do it the right way and um that's when we decided to to, to really uh, chase purity in, in our, our relationship. Um and I think the verse I you know there's one verse in Ephesians, but the other verse in in where where Je- the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, um, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Um and for me that was a motivation to to like the only thing that you have to do is to, is to be pure to see God. And it was it was so cool for me at the, at the time. Um, and then we also we, we went on missions and, and everything went well. And I think for 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 twelve months, almost to the day, we we really we really had a, had a good thing going. And then there was one incident where weekend we went away, where we actually we we fell and we we defiled our our, our marriage bed, and um, and I think the next morning, <laughs> next morning, if, if you ever want to feel condemnation that that's that like the devil is like yeah i told you guys you're not as good as you as you think you are and i think the restoration in process in that for us was was to to do the right thing and and get to um get to people in community community that we can trust and start building the restoration up until until we got married um and on our, our our wedding day there was a lot of prophecies that was that that people that didn't even know what what was going on that they said um, they don't know why, but they feel God's really saying he, he's restored what has been stolen. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think for me, and I, I just, in front of everyone today, I know said it, I just want to again say sorry for that, and that you defiled it, that I defiled it. So, yeah.
5: <laughs> I forgive you, <laughs> not myself. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, so that was quite tough, um, because purity for me was... Um, as the world would see it, and how I justified um it all along as as long as you just fray <laughs> and um it was really something that i I valued quite a lot, and when that happened it really it was quite bad for both of us um and it and it almost also became an idol for me um in a sense. And the Lord had to bring that down in order for me to also be able to stand in front of Him and to come in front of Him and be like, Lord, this is who I am. I really need you. I cannot abstain out of my own will. I need your strength. When we are weak, He is strong. So, and we also saw a, like immediately after that happened, we, we went to our pastors. And we just cried in front of them, and we repented. And as the scripture also said, if you repent, then you are blameless in front of the Lord. He doesn't see you as you were half an hour before. He sees you as a new creation. And that I can really testify of that. It feels like a different person. Um, So... Can I continue on? Hoi. Hoi. Okay. Um, so after that, we got married, um, and it was really so. Um, the Lord really restored everything that the that the devil has stolen, and yes, during that time we went through. It was quite well. We moved to to um, to France. We lived there for nine months, and really a great time. But then we came back and. Yeah, stuff just started popping popping up in our marriage.
6: So yeah, so just to clarify, a, a, a making a covenant is not a silver bullet for everything to go away. Um, there's not on on the day. Not, it's not as if everything stopped. I think for me that if, when you are engaged or before marriage, the devil tries everything to get you into bed, and after mari- after you're married, tries to get you out of bed. Um. So yeah, the, so the, the, for when we got married, obviously, like I said, it wasn't a silver bullet. But after a while, the the thought started to creep back in. and um, You started to think about the um, forbidden fruit, if I can say it, say it like that. And I think that's where it. wants to, start to continue on that.
5: yeah. so as a woman, it is obviously not nice to find out that your husband might be looking at something that he shouldn't be looking at. Um, and... With that, I felt so insecure, um, and that is what the devil does. He, he ter- it really turned a sin that my husband did, he turned and he, he made it selfish about me. <laughs> and this sin isn't about me. Um, and the Lord really showed me that the only way that we can conquer this as a married couple, because I am his helper, as soon as we step into covenant, the Lord called me to be an intercessor for my husband and to be his helper. How can I help him? I cannot help him when I condemn him. I cannot help him when I belittle him and when I give him the little scoreer-scoer and the silent treatment. That is not how I will help him. I will help him when I lead him into accountability. I can help him when I gracefully forgive him. That does not mean I condone the sin. It means that I'm acting like Jesus acted. Because that sin isn't anything different (laughs) than what we do, that we might do daily. Um, So that is really how the Lord, he really brought me out of it, making it about me, which I think a lot of women can do. It's not nice, it's, it's not a nice feeling, but it, it really takes that boldness and that authority to realize, oh, okay, this is the scheme that the enemy is plan- planting in my heart. It has got nothing to do with me. What is the Lord calling me to do? He's calling me to pray, to forgive, and to be graceful, not to condone, and to lead him into, into accountability. And that's exactly what the Lord did.
0: Cool, thanks guys, thanks for sharing that. Um, the verse you might have referred to earlier was Ephesians 2, which says, you know the guidance we laid out for you from the, from the master Jesus. God wants you to live a pure life, keep yourselves from sexual promiscuity. And that is, that's exactly what he wants. And there's no beating around the bush. And, and something we've, which I believe we've been very good at over the years and since this church started is, we never beat around the bush when it comes to the truth. And it is therefore it is important for us to say that although this is a difficult subject, it is something which we will take, on, take head on and say that there's no beating around the bush. And, and we testify of, of not only that sometimes we can fall, but that there is, a, just like a resurrection of Christ, there's a resurrection of marriages thereafter. And God comes and he first, he, he never condemns, but he, he first reconciles, then heals, and then brings us into a place where we can testify to help others. And yeah, I just wanna honor you guys for that as well. And then I want to draw a parallel from what you guys shared with us to, to other aspects of our lives. Often we, we find, not often, but sometimes, we find ourselves in situations where the devil comes and steals from us. Maybe you grew up in a house where you did not have a relationship with your father, with your father and God steals that, 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 that intimacy which you have in the security which you have with your father. Or maybe you grew up in a house where there was never a happy family, or maybe you didn't have a family. And you felt robbed, because why does these people sitting next to me have a great childhood and, and I don't? Or maybe it was an early marriage, a marriage which was, was built on the wrong values, and you just never had the honeymoon phase, you were fighting from the get-go. And you, And God says, come to me and I will restore. God can restore all of those things. Just like he came to Ludwig and Lisette and, and restored the, the purity which they which they lost, he came and he restored that for them and said, but I will make you clean. I'll remove your sin from, as far as the east is from the west. I'll restore this from you, and you will have that. He can do exactly the same for us in whatever aspect it may be, whether it is broken relationships, whether it is something you feel that, why was I robbed of this, whatever that is, God can come restore that. But what Lizette very briefly touched on, but it's a very, very big truth, is it starts with repentance. God, my role in this was, and I ask you, and I apologize for that, and I ask you to come and help and restore me. And reaching out to God to come and help restore any part of you is, is the first step to, that, to the whole feeling, which many of us lack in so many instances. I remember speaking to a guy once who said, I never had a good relationship with my in-laws, but luckily I don't see them a lot. And I, I was laughing a little bit about it, um, and then years later, he told me, I never had a relationship with my in-laws, and I regret it, because now I do, and I see how great it is, and I see how, how great it is for my wife, and I see the um, promise, which, oh, the, um, the value they're adding to our children, and now these children is grown up already, but then he said, I just wish that I did that earlier, and that earlier which he was referring to is, God please come, restore this re- relationship, does not need to be something which I have sinned once or I have been robbed once and now I don't have that for the rest of my life. So thanks you guys for sharing that as well. And I just want to extend the invitation to everyone sitting here. I'm, I have a conviction on my heart that everyone sitting here can relate to either one of these six people's stories, either can relate directly or indirectly with someone in your life who you know is in a similar situation, or maybe you'll meet someone in a similar situation. So I want to challenge you to to really take this to heart, whether it is a case of you are in a position where God is calling you to do something, to go on a mission, to to do whatever it is, but you are the master of justification of your own life, and saying, but I have a very good excuse not to do this. If that is you tonight, hold on to the story which which Aubrey and Bianca told us, and, and hold on to that saying that God... I do not want to justify my excuses anymore. I want to step into your will, not partially, but fully. And also, if it is a, a case of you need unity in a relationship, this is the exact same start. God, help me get this unity, whether it be in my marriage, um, like the direct example, or in any other relationship. If, you're maybe, if you find more resonance with what Varlene and Nicole shared, which is um, putting a, having something or someone on a pedestal in your life, I want to challenge you to lay that down to God tonight, to say, God, I realize, or maybe up until now I have not realized, but now I realize that there's something which I'm chasing more than I'm chasing you. And God gives us passions for a good reason, and it's great to pursue our passions, but never to such an extent that it is more pursued than God is pursued. And if, that, if that's something on your heart tonight, lay that down to God and say, maybe pray with someone and say, God, I want to lay that down.